You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. So, somebody to love. This is part one. Our objective for this month is to explore biblical principles that will inspire and equip us to build lasting personal relationships that will not only honor God, but will honor the people that we love. Um, unfortunately, we often hurt people that we're supposed to love. And that's a tragedy. And, and I believe that that can be avoidable because sometimes selfishness gets in the way that interfere with building a meaningful and a relationship that can be powerful and, and long-lasting. By God's design, we were created to love and be loved. Right? Do you believe that? Which can only be accomplished through a meaningful relationship or meaningful relationships. By God's design, we learn love by being part of a family. That's so important. Some people don't feel like they fit anywhere because maybe their family is so dysfunctional. And, and what is family? And how do we define family today? It's so confusing. But when we look at it from God's perspective, He designed the family. And he has something to say about the family so that we can grow as families that God has ordained to make an impact in this world that we live in. Because I believe that's his desire. I believe that many problems in our society stem because of dysfunctional families. Much of what we're dealing with in our days is because of the dysfunction in homes. But everyone longs to be loved. Everyone longs to love in the context of family, which includes marriage. And and don't attempt to form or be part of a family without marriage because that's a cultural lie. See, God has a pattern that we need to embrace. Anything we do to try to alter that or change it, it's going to make it something different than what God has designed it to be. And it's not going to work. Now, everyone longs to be loved and to love in context of friends and people in general. Yet without a revelation of true love, dysfunction and awkwardness plagues human relationships. Do you believe that? Friendship and relationship is important among children. I can remember our kids, you know, growing up, oh, how wonderful it was when their friends came over. Yeah, it was work for mom and dad. But it was wonderful for them. And, and you know, in the child care center here, we see these kids connecting at friendship levels. And they have all these buddies in the, next to their cubbies. And, you know, they interact throughout the day. And um, when they have a birthday party, guess who's invited to the birthday party? They may not even be related but they're in childcare together, so it becomes an extended family. So we see family has so many ramifications because it's not just limited by blood relationship. And that's how God designed it. Because his blood transcends that in every way and realm. Okay, So... Every human being, and I'm gonna, you're going to hear me say this again and again here in this series, every human being has a need to love and be loved. 
And we cannot deny that. We can't denounce that. See, when love is rejected, hurt follows. And, and if you've never been hurt in the relationship, then you've never loved. You've never made an attempt because there's a risk involved when, when we decide we're going to love somebody. There's a risk involved because there's a risk that we can be hurt. There's a risk that we can face rejection and heartache. And, and once you've been rejected, that hurt can, can disrupt your whole well-being. And it can mess with you and you'll be afraid to love again because you don't want to get hurt again. So then you reject everyone else because you don't want to be rejected again. Rejection is a horrible thing. But you need to know that God does not reject you. And yet we live in a culture that people think that they've been rejected by God, abandoned by God. But that's not the case. The song we sung today is to know that he loves us. And for us to get a hold of that revelation of the love of God, that revelation will have the greatest transforming impact upon your life. It will take you out of insecurity and, and cause you to become confident in who you are in Christ. It will take you out of a place of dysfunction so that you can begin to function in meaningful and healthy relationships. See, I used to hide behind my a character trait of shyness as an excuse not to build or uh, become a friend to somebody or or enter a relationship because I'm shy. I'm just going to pull back. I'm going to observe everyone else. I'm not going to interact. I'm just going to stay by the sidelines because I don't want to be hurt because I had such a poor self-esteem. I had such a lack of self-confidence Because I didn't know who I was. I I did not understand my identity. And you know what? I really didn't understand it until I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I found and discovered my true identity in him and who I really am. And that's that's really the place you should be looking for identity. Is in Christ. In relationship to God. Why? Because he made you. He created you. And he will reveal to you your true identity. Because there's an identity crisis in the nation, in the world today, right? So, oh, I got a few things to share with you this morning. Just the way you are. Well, that's an interesting phrase. But that's a song. Have you ever heard that song, Just the Way You Are? Well, it is a song. But it's also a phrase. It really means to be real, to be genuine, to be true to yourself and to others. Now, most of us despise when people project or pretend to be someone that they are not. We call that hypocrisy. How many of you despise hypocrisy? You know, they're fake, they're phony, they're not real, they're not genuine, they're not transparent. And I believe our society today is looking for genuine in people, authenticity in people. Um, Billy, oh, <laughs> Billy Joel, you heard of that guy? He released the song Just the Way You Are in 1977 in his album The Stranger, which was his first commercial success. And you know, not that I want to glorify any song written by a man, but there is a redemptive element to this song. 
a part of it, okay, not the whole thing. So I'm not endorsing this song necessarily, but I'm emphasizing a redemptive theme that we can see in it. And I want you to consider two verses from this song, just the way we are. And just listen, and, and listen from God's vantage point as, as we hear these words. We never could have come this far. I took the good times. I will take the bad times. I'll take you just the way you are. It's interesting that Billy Graham and all of his crusades, he would end the crusade or the service with the song, Just As I Am. See, God takes us just as we are. He doesn't, you know, uh, expect us to clean up our lives and then come to him. You know, do you have to clean up to take a bath? No, just take a bath. You know, just get in the water, you know. Um, so that's something God does. He takes us just the way we are. Another verse goes on to say, I said I love you and that's forever. And this I promise from my heart. I couldn't love you any better. I love you just the way you are. So you need to hear those words from the heart of God because we see that in Scripture. You know, this songwriter just apparently got a hold of something, a truth that really reflects the love of God towards humanity. Even though it was to his lover or his girlfriend or whoever, but it really, any human expression of love is really taken from the concept of God's love for humanity. Okay? We understand that? So what does it mean to love somebody just the way they are? Well, from God's standpoint, it's an unconditional love. It's not based on certain conditions. You be this, you do this, and then I'll love you. It's not placing a condition on the love. It's simply to set a love that sees someone as valuable and precious to place a value on them because of who they are. And that's what God did for us. His love is absolutely unconditional. But yet for us to receive that love, we have to accept it. We have to receive it for it to have an impact in our life. So this past week in our small groups, one of our small groups, I started out with this icebreaker. Pastor Deb and I lead a small group. And we were talking about this month and this series we're dealing with. And so I posed a question to everyone there. I said, okay, I want you to share with me two things. Number one, what do you look for in a friendship or a relationship? What quality do you look for? And you can think about that too. And then secondly, what do you bring? What quality do you bring into a friendship or a relationship that's important to you? And so when we think about that, we can begin to think about the dynamic of a relationship. And you know, the interesting thing, I heard things like honesty, authenticity, you know, uh, being true and open and, you know, all those elements of, of really godly character, traits that, yeah, because why would you want to uh, engage in a friendship with somebody that you know is a gossip and is going to take what you say and use it against you or try to take advantage of you or abuse you in some way? No, you're not looking for those kind of qualities in a, in a person. You're looking for godly qualities in a person. Now, in light of just the way you are, what is the basis of a healthy 
and meaningful relationship. And I, I have three points I'll share with you on this. In light of just the way you are, what is the basis of a healthy and meaningful relationship? Well, we talked a little bit about it already. Number one, to have a love that is genuine. To have a love that is genuine. And, and see, what is genuine love? Well, it's authentic. It's real. It's true. It's not phony. It's not false. It's not fake. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8 reads, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. See, we don't necessarily need a command to be genuine. So the Apostle Paul said, I'm not saying this as a command, but out of an earnestness of your heart to be genuine. Okay? And so genuine love is discovered in an encounter with the author of love. I really believe that. You know, we talk about first impressions in, in what we saw in this little video clip, and uh, the video team did a wonderful job on this. And hey, there is some great stuff coming the rest of the month. You don't want to miss these clips. Uh, and we got some good actors in the church. Hey, that's, that's awesome. If you want to be involved, yeah. Just see Nathan Malik, my son. He's in charge of the uh, video team around here, so he can hook you up. <laughs> All right. So first impressions. Everyone tries to make a good first impression. I don't think I've ever met anybody that purposely did not want to make a good first impression. But yet, how often do we fail at making a good first impression? Because, see, if we are interacting with people that we want to impact with the love of Jesus, we want to make a, first, a good first impression with them so that ultimately we can be a part of leading them into a personal relationship with Jesus, being a witness and example to them. But we often base too much on first impressions. And I tell you, there's times I thought, boy, I really blew it there. I don't even want to see that person again. I don't want to talk to that person again. And I realized I was putting way too much weight on that first impression because it went bad, okay? So if you blew it on the first impression, give yourself a break. Don't be too hard on yourself, okay? Uh, give yourself another chance. See, we will fail on making a good first impression, listen, when we're focused on ourselves rather than the other person. And that, I believe, is the reason why I've blown it. Because I was thinking, how do I look? How, what am I saying? Da, 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 about me, all about me. Rather than focusing on that person, I'm meeting this person. And my focus is on them. Who are they? What are they all about? What is their name? And I, I'm working on names. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me remember people's names. Um, my wife, she, I, I, I won't tell how she cheats. <laughs> oh, she's giving me that signal. But she, if you want to ask her how she remembers people's names, she has a little system. Okay? It might work for you. I don't know. All right. She's going to be bombarded after service. I know it. And I'll, I'll have a little lecture, too. <clears throat> but it'll be good. I probably deserve it, you know. Uh, you know, as husbands and wives, we have to have fun, right? Uh, we can't be too serious all the time. And um, I... I I know that Deb is able to really bring joy into our household. Otherwise, it'd probably be pretty boring around our house. 
you know, because I'm a pretty serious guy, you know. So she's helped to bring the humor side out of me. Not my jokes, no. That's a different thing. But, all right, uh, we better stay on track here. Uh, now, first impressions can be deceiving and even misleading, yet they can be long-lasting. And really, you only have one chance to make a first impression, so make it count. With every new encounter, you are evaluated, and yet another person's impression of you is formed. See, to make a successful first impression, don't try to be someone you're not. Don't try to be someone you're not. Be yourself. Because, see, when, when I fell in love with my wife, and, and again, I, I have to say, love is not a fall. We don't fall in love. We grow in love, okay? But when we begin to grow in love, you know, I wanted this woman to love me for who I was, not for what I pretended to be to live up to some expectations of who I wasn't, but I wanted her to love me for who I was. And see, I believe in us, that's what we want. We don't want to make people or force people to love us and try to be what we're not so they will. And sometimes we fall into that trap, and that's destructive to relationships. Because I know that the good, the bad, the ugly, this woman loves me. She's committed to me. And I'm committed to her. And see, that commitment works both ways. But, and, and I'll put the greater burden on myself than her. Because I'm the one. I believe that if I change and if I allow God to do a work in me, that's going to improve our relationship. I don't put that burden on her. I put it on myself. I said, what can I do to change to make this relationship better? Instead of, oh, if she only does this, if she changes that, then. Oh, no, you can't go there. What can I do to change, God, with your help, that can cause our relationship to succeed? That's really where it needs to be at. We need to not always put the blame on others. Oh, yeah, there might be blame and fingers to point. But we need to look to ourselves. We need to examine ourselves because in humility is where God will begin to lift us up out of that pit, out of that junk that's holding us back in a dysfunctional relationship, okay? So let's get on here with this. Um, Number two, what is the basis of a healthy and meaningful relationship? Number two. To understand that love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Uh, To me, that reads as a choice. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So out of a relationship with Christ that gives us the capacity to love others, okay? But it's still a choice. We choose to love Beloved, let us, let's decide we are going to love one another, okay? It starts with a decision. And then John 15, 12, we go into the gospel and we see Jesus giving this commandment. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, you might say, how is that possible? 
to love as God loves me, you need to understand that the command given empowers you to do that command because Jesus wouldn't tell you something to do without helping you to fulfill it. Okay, he's going to help you to love as he loves. So you need to make a decision. Yes, I will love one another as he loved me. When you make that decision, you have opened up your heart to God's divine capacity to love others. Because there's people I actually had to honestly come before God and say, Lord, I hate this person, I despise this person, and I know I shouldn't. That's wrong. But yet in the midst of that, I knew that God could give me the capacity to love that person. And it's supernatural. When that love begins to, to show up, begin to manifest in our lives, it takes, it takes the fear all the junk, and begins to annihilate it. It really does. The unforgiveness, the hurt, and the heartache that comes with all that, bitterness, it has no place to stand anymore. Okay? So uh, we could say more than that, but it's a choice. You choose to love. It's a choice. I chose to love this woman. It was a choice. And I pledged my life to her for commitment for the rest of my life. You know, and I ne- I'm not going to go back on that decision. I'm not going to change my mind because I made a choice. You might say, do you ever regret it? No. I, I don't even give place to regret. There's not even an option regret for regret. Because we don't consider anything less than God's best for our lives. We're going with God. And how can we fail when God's on our side? How can we fail when he's involved in our lives? How can we fail when the God of the universe is walking with us through this life. We can't fail. It's impossible to fail. You might, oh, pastor, you, I'm, I might be, I'm talking truth here, folks, okay? All right. Number three, what is the basis of a healthy and meaning, meaningful relationship? To understand, and I kind of cheat a little bit, to understand that love is a command. It's a command. And when you obey that command, something transpires in our heart. And we see this in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus is speaking. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Again, there we see that just as, okay? So I got to love you like Jesus loves me? Okay. We're going for a journey. We're going for a ride here, okay? Because Jesus loves unconditionally. That means I have to love you unconditionally. Now, you might say, well, what if this person violates me? What if they do this? Well, trust and love are two different things. And just because I love you, that doesn't mean I have to trust you. You know, I don't have to trust you with my kids. I don't have to trust you with my money. I I don't have to trust you with my life. But I'll love you. Right? Okay. And that's a whole other message. But it goes on to say, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The identifying mark of a believer is the love that we express towards each other. And if the church is bickering and fighting, if an unsaved or a person that doesn't know Christ walks in, they say, I don't want this. But if they come in and they see the love of God, they experience the encounter of God's love in our midst, they're going to say, I want this because I don't have this in my life. 
And so it's a witness. All people will know that you are his disciple when you begin to walk in the love of God with each other. See, write this down if you're taking notes. Um, yeah, are you, are you ready to write? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> love is the basis of all healthy and meaningful relationships. And, and there's certain characteristics that go along with this. Having a servant's heart, honest communication, friendship, patience, loyalty, and a common purpose are all important elements in a meaningful and healthy relationship. And then this is the one I really want you to write down, this statement coming up. Relationships are not meant to be self-serving, but life-giving. Relationships are not meant to be self-serving, but life-giving. And see, there's a principle in giving, because in giving we receive. There's something reciprocated back to us when we give. And then finally, love is not a fall, it's a growth process. Oh, I fell in love. Oh, did it hurt? Uh, you hit the ground, did you fall on anything when you, when you fell? No, uh, love is a growth process. We grow in love. And, and next week, Pastor Deb and I are going to tag team, so we're going to share together the word, bring it to you. And so you get to hear from my better half. And so there's a, a real dynamic duel that God has, has given me, and I'm so thankful for this woman. She keeps me accountable every day. I, I, don't, I can't get away with anything. Nothing. Uh, even if I tried to get away with something, she would catch me, okay? So she's a good woman, I tell you. I, I wouldn't trade her in for anything, okay? Uh, right? Would you trade me in, honey? No, okay. <laughs> we'll talk later. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, that was point number three. You got all those three points? Okay. At this time, as we prepare to close the service, I, I want to extend a call. And, you know, you, you really need to know you are loved. I mean, we sung about it today, but a song isn't going to do it alone. A song can help open your heart to receive the love of God. You are loved. You may just not know you're loved. Because you've maybe never experienced the love of God. You know, and for me, it was when I discovered that God really loved me because my concept of God was not that he was a God of love, but that he was a God of judgment, that he was harsh, that if I mess up, I was history. I, I did not understand the mercy of God. I did not, I didn't understand that God had extended his mercy towards me in my sin and my weakness and in and, and my fallen state. And he was there to lift me, to forgive me, to pull me out of the junk that I was in bondage to. The scripture says in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love. I love that. He shows his love. He shows his love for us. And how do you do that? The rest of the verse tells us in while that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He showed his love for us by dying on the cross. He demonstrated. He displayed it. You know, anybody that's willing to die in your place, that's got to be love. 
anybody that's willing to lay their life down for you, that's got to be love. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and for me. See, God loves you just the way you are. But hear this. He loves you too much to leave you that way. His love is transforming. His love will change you from the inside out. The way you think, the way you act, the way you deal with others. I used to be full of pride. I used to be full of lust. I used to be full of a lot of junk in my life. But that doesn't exist anymore because now I'm filled with His love. There's no place for that when I'm walking in His love. The Bible says that the love of God, in Romans 5, 5, is shed abroad in our heart by His Spirit that He's given us. His love is poured out for you and for me. See, God's love is for us even in our lost condition, in our dysfunction, our sin-struck lives. God still loves us. And see, there's, there's primarily two things that motivate us to change. Inspiration or desperation. And I trust that you're inspired by this message today to somehow open your heart to receive the love of God for your life. Or maybe in that place where you are in despair, desperation, where you just need God in your life at a point and a time that you're just desperate. And you don't have the answer. You don't have the hope. You don't have direction. And you're just like there existing in your agony and pain. See, God has called us to a throne of grace, not to a throne of judgment. And if we approach the throne of His grace, then He takes our judgment because He bore that sin. He bore that shame for us. See, at the end of your life, you need to answer this question. Did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? And the only way you can learn to love is to receive the love of God. With every head bowed, at this time, nobody looking around, this is a private time between you and the Father. I want to pose this question to you. If you're here and you've never made a personal commitment of your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. And this is not something you're just doing to go through the motions. This is a time where you say, Jesus, I need you in my life. In Jesus, I'm willing to open my heart and accept you for what you did for me. You demonstrated your love by dying on the cross. You demonstrated in such a way to let me know that you love me. And now I believe in you, that you did that for me, and I accept that love. I accept forgiveness of sins because you bore my sins and you took it to the grave so that I could have your life. See, Jesus offers the gift of eternal life to those who would accept it and receive it. And maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I know that my life really isn't right with God. Maybe I've been, you've been faking it. Maybe you've been going through the motions. But seriously, is your life right with God? If it's not, and you say, Pastor, I'm willing to surrender my life totally to Jesus this morning, to quit playing games, to quit messing around, 
and to turn my heart and life over to Jesus, I want you to lift your hand and say, I'm ready to receive you, Jesus. I'm, I'm ready to mean business with you. Is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, I want to give it all to Jesus. I want to receive his love and forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to pray this prayer together. And, and this prayer, I believe, is a prayer where you can open up your heart and receive the love of God, receive his forgiveness, receive his life. Let's stand together, if you would. And we're going to pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. And don't just say the words that I say. Embrace these words from your heart. Now you say, well, I've already prayed a sinner's prayer. I've prayed this before. Well, pray it again with a fresh emphasis of rededication of your life to Christ. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. And I admit to you that I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me to demonstrate his love for me while I was yet a sinner. He died in my place. Jesus, I put my faith in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me new life. I receive you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.